the heart, the soul that's all-encompassing, our emotions, our mind, our feelings, our will. So they define that as the heart instead of just the soul. Now, this is interesting. Because these Israelites at the time of Christ had no, and even before then, had no concept of the brain, they didn't even have a word for it, they, they understood the mind, they defined everything when it came to your emotions, your feelings, and so forth, as the heart. And this is important to understand. Because the human intellectual activities that take place, they understood it as the heart. They didn't know any other way to translate it. Is everybody with me? It's important for you to follow where I'm going here, okay? So when you know in the Bible, that's in reference to understanding and making decisions and uh, connections. He that knoweth the good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. Uh, some of you might think about the passage of Scripture, uh, to know truth and, and to understand truth. The Bible refers to that to be set free. And why is that? Because it all goes back to this subject of the heart. In the book of Proverbs, wisdom dwells in the heart. It is the heart where we discern uh, between truth and error. And just like Solomon, uh, the most profound, wisest king that ever existed, he understood the importance of the heart. And he used wisdom with the heart. It affected him mentally, physically, and emotionally. And that is so important. So, going back to the subject of the heart, it's important for us to understand, when we speak of the heart from a biblical point of view, it's literally speaking of the all-encompassing idea of who we are, literally from our soul to our mind to our emotions and our will, which is literally wrapped up into the soul. Is everybody with me? Because there's a misunderstanding when it comes to the heart. And I think it's important for you to understand what the Bible is speaking of when it comes to the heart. So the heart is where you think and make sense of the world, literally. In other words, mental, physical, emotional. Hannah felt pain in her heart when she wasn't able to have a baby. That's the emotional aspect of the heart. But at the same time, the Bible speaks of the heart when it comes to the emotional aspect. The Hebrews would translate it as, um, as a broken heart. You ever heard of people saying he's got a broken heart? Well, that goes all the way back to ancient times with the Hebrews. When, when they would translate scripture, they understood what that meant to have a broken heart. Your heart is also where you make choices. And it's not just the choices that you make that are good, but also the choices you make that are bad. Like David, he made a choice to build the temple. He desired in his heart to build the temple, but he also made a choice to commit adultery with Bathsheba. So there's good and bad that come from the heart and the choices we make. I hope you're grasping what I'm trying to say. If you don't get this, then you really can't go along with me with this message because you really need to understand what the heart is. You know, it's a good thing. The heart is, is it brings happiness too. Uh, the Hebrews also translate the idea of that there's happiness that comes from the heart. I think the Bible actually says it this way, uh, a good of heart or have a heart of joy. Have you all read that? And so you see all these wonderful aspects of the heart and what it represents. And there's a reason why over and over and over again we see in Scripture the importance of the heart. Because we're all involved with the heart. So the Bible, when it refers to the heart, is saying the central part of the human existence is here in the heart. Which brings us to this key verse that I want to focus on. Is everybody with me? Proverbs chapter 4, 
verse 23, keep that heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. So I'm going to dive in this. Before I do, I want clarity of mind, and I want you to have clarity too. So pray with me, would you please? Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, give us clarity of mind as we dive into Scripture. Help us to understand the importance of the subject of the heart and how do we deal with the matters of the heart. In Jesus' name, amen. So at this point where we're at, you should have clarity of what the heart looks like. So if somebody comes to you and says, what does it mean to trust Jesus Christ with their heart? You should be able to define what that means. It's all-encompassing. It's what you are and who you are. It's, it, it, you can't leave just a portion of it out. It can, encompasses everything that deals with you as a human being. So with that in mind, I look at Proverbs 4.23 and realize that the heart is like the command center of the soul, the mind, the will, and our affections. And it's at high risk. Because the enemy wants to invade and take control of your heart. And I see it over and over and over again within the church, where people think they're on track and everything's good, but somebody else is controlling the heart. And they're allowing things to happen in their life because somebody's pulling their strings. So what do you do with that? I'm talking about the matters of the heart today. And now that we have a clear understanding of what the heart is, I want to dive into this portion of scripture. And I want to give you this first point. Are you all ready? This seems so simplistic because it is. Number one, in order to deal with the matters of the heart, there must be a heart transplant because the heart is diseased by sin. Now, for you that are Christians or maybe a seasoned Christian, this seems very elementary. Like, oh, yes, I understand. In order to successfully have a life that pleases Christ or have blessings in your life, you need Jesus. You need a new heart. You need to be transformed. Yes, I get it. But for others, they may not fully understand or grasp this. So I want to break it down for you because if you don't get this part, then it's hard to get into the next part, okay? You know, heart disease is the leading cause of death in the United States. You would think cancer would be because every time I turn around, somebody has cancer. So, but the heart disease refers to several types of heart conditions. But spiritually speaking, there's only one heart condition that leads to spiritual death. It's sin. The human heart in its natural condition is evil. It is wicked. It is treacherous and deceitful. That's why the prophet Jeremiah said, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? You can't even figure out your own heart because it's so wicked. And if you keep that corrupt heart, it'll remain corrupt and wicked. It's like decayed. In other words, the fall has affected us At the deepest of levels, our mind, our emotions, our desires have been tainted by sin. That's why people no longer have clarity about their identity. That's why people have their own truth. That's why people have their own interpretation of scripture that completely detours from what God intended it to be and what it was intended to say. Because we're tainted by sin. There's only one way to save mankind, right? And that one way to save mankind from the heart disease of sin comes from God, there has to be a spiritual heart transplant. And the good news is there's no waiting list. I love it. Immediately, today is the day of salvation. If somebody at this very moment in this room right now says, I need that heart transplant, I need a new heart, the way I'm living is not right, I have not trusted Jesus Christ, there's no waiting list. You can accept Jesus Christ right where you're at right now. 
The human heart was created to mirror God's. You were created in the image of God. According to Genesis 1.27, even James 3 verse 9, we were designed to love Him. We were designed to love righteousness, to walk in harmony with God and others. But we tend not to do that because there's a problem. And the problem comes because of free will. I love free will. But part of God's design for the human, the human and the creation and the people that we are was to give us free will, to make our own decisions. And so at the beginning of time, Adam and Eve did just that. And you know it well because the Bible tells you in Romans 5.12, Wherefore, as by one man's sin centered into the world, that was Adam, and so death passed upon all men, for all have sinned. Because of this one man, he made a decision to disobey God and plunged mankind into sin. And now we're all dealing with this corrupt heart, this heart disease of sin, if you would. And because of this, we desperately need a new heart. And we're unable to do it ourselves. You, you can try any shape, form, or fashion to, to reformat your heart, to get a new heart. You can get therapy and you can have meditation. You can listen to the best podcast, but you are not going to change the heart. It has to be a heart transplant. You need to allow the great physician to change your life by giving you a new heart. The Bible puts it this way, a change of heart toward God requires a supernatural transition. It's a transformation. Jesus called it being born again. All right. Now, if you're in a not, if you're, this is nothing new for you, then you need to listen because you're going to help somebody else understand this. John 3, 3 explains being born again. That means you're not just getting a new heart, you're getting a new life. So if you have a physical heart transplant, you have a new start because your corrupt heart is gone. They threw it in the trash or whatever they do in the hospital. I don't even really care to know. But you have a new beginning. Same goes spiritually speaking. It is a complete transformation of life that is all-consuming. From the core to the outward man. Man looketh on the outward appearance, but God, he says, I look at the heart. I go further than just the flesh. I look deep into the souls of man. It's called being consumed by God. Loving God with all your heart, soul, and mind. God looks beyond the flesh and sees us for who we really are. And that is why salvation, true Christianity, comes from the heart. So you say, well, I believe in God. Well, whoop-de-doo. The Bible says the devils believe in God. And they tremble. But true belief in God means that you're completely relying and putting your faith in Jesus Christ. Anything outside of that is damnation. That means eternal home and hell. And I know that's not very popular for people to speak about that. But it's a reality. And here's what the Bible says. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. And with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So a man that bows the knee and prays and asks Christ in his life with his heart means that he's sincerely all encompassing the idea that my emotions, my soul, all of this combined, including my mind, acknowledges God. And I will love the Lord thy God with all my heart, my soul, and my mind. And that is the decision you make. And at that moment, the heart transplant takes place. The new heart brings a complete transformation of life. And the Bible even says it this way. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new person, a new creation, a new creature. And all things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. So the old man is gone. The new man is here. The old woman is gone. The new woman is here. Life has now changed. But now what do we do with it? Because I've been a Christian since I was 14 years old. I've been given a new heart. 
So there's some in here that have not yet had that heart transplant. And if you are really leaning that direction and thinking, I need this, then I wouldn't forsake it. I would, I would challenge you before you leave to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. Get the heart transplant and see your life completely change. It's not perfect. It gets a little difficult at times. But it's better than going around and living life with a corrupt heart. But after you get the new heart, there's a second thing that has to take place when dealing with matters of heart. Is everybody following? We got a new heart. We got a new path. So second, after the heart transplant, there has to be heart maintenance. Which brings us to this key verse. Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 23. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Watch this. You have to maintain a healthy heart. And the only way as a believer in Jesus Christ that you can maintain a healthy heart is you'll have to do three key things. It takes three things. Protecting, preventing, pursuing. Here we go again. Protecting, preventing, pursuing. So here we are with this beautiful new heart and we have the ability to allow our emotions, our feelings, if you would, let me put it literally the way the Bible says it, our soul, our mind, our emotions, and our desires are now in the hands of God and we want something greater than ourselves. We are a Christian. We're a new creation. And because of that, We want to serve Christ the best we know how with all of our heart, right? You have to maintain a healthy heart. So how do you do that? First one is to protect. How do you protect your heart? Well, Proverbs 4.23 at the beginning of this verse answers that question. It says, we are to keep our hearts. Keep our hearts. The word keep is in reference to guarding the heart. Keep your heart. Uh, how many of you go to Hawking Hills? You like to hike. How many of you enjoy hiking, right? How many just say, I, I hate hiking? Raise your hand. Okay. I don't know how to feel about that because I like it sometimes, and then other times I'm like, I'd rather just sit on the couch and watch a movie. How many like sitting on the couch watching movies and doing absolutely nothing? Shame on you. Yeah. God has given us some beautiful scenery to look at. Just through those woods is one of the most beautiful sights you'll ever see. If you literally walk out that door to those woods, you'll see the most beautiful waterfall and trails, and it looks like Hawking Hills. But when my kids were little, we didn't know about this. So we'd drive all the way out to Hawking Hills. And Ellie is just tiny. Christian was just tiny. And it was just a fun family day. And so while we're at, the Hawk, at Hawking Hills, we go down these trails, and everybody that's been to Hawking Hills knows how dangerous it is. <laughs> Ellie and Christian, they're grown up, they're attentive, they're paying attention more than they ever have, not completely, but they're better. At that time, I tell you, I feel like Ellie could be in a rubber room and trip and fall on something. She was just clumsy as a little bitty girl, and that's the way people understood her. And I had to keep her safe when we were on the path. So we would go way up and Brianna thought it was, cr- it was crazy idea to take him out there. This is good. It's going to end badly. And so I learned very quickly it was a horrible idea. So it'd be on a trail and there'd just be this complete drop off. And I'm thinking one wrong move and Ellie's going to fall to her death. And so I'm constantly, here's the key word, guarding Ellie and keeping her on the right path. But it wasn't just Ellie, it was Christian too. You know, and he's adventurous and he wants to try new things and he's looking for a cave and he's looking for something that's living in the water and they're not paying attention. And before you know it, they're on the wrong path and I have to pull them back, pull them back, pull them back. What's my point? 
The Hebrew text for the saying of, of keep thy heart is literally more than all guarding, which simply means you are to guard this more than anything else in life. More than anything else. And the reason why is because our heart declines to its own ways, according to Proverbs 7.25, and it goes astray, just like my kids did when they were little. So you have to, according to the Hebrew writers, literally guard this to prevent it from going astray more than anything else in your life you guard. So in other words, how many of you this morning locked your house before you left? Would you raise your hand? I'm interested. Really, McGarvey, you didn't lock your house before you left? Interesting. Guy dealing with security and safety. How many of you locked your car? If it's in this parking lot or behind you, locked your car. I'm getting somewhere here. Just entertain me, okay? How many of you have found yourself intentionally having a password or a code for every area of your life, including whether it's social media, your, your, your bank account? You, you, you love passwords. Would you raise your hand? How many hate passwords? I do too. I almost said something I shouldn't say because I was about to give away my password because it's the same for everything. I shouldn't have said that. What am I thinking? What am I doing? The bottom, what, I'm, not very, I'm not very good at thinking. Uh, I'm still blaming, blaming COVID for that. Here's the reality. We are really cautious to keeping and guarding certain aspects of our life, like our bank account, like our car, our money. But the literal Hebrew translation here is saying above everything else, more than your home, your car, your money, your banking account, even your own family, you're to guard your heart. Why? Because out of it are the issues of life. Everything is dictated by the heart. You say, well, I want to protect my family. If you do not protect your heart, then your family is compromised. Your marriage is compromised, your dating is compromised, your social media interaction is compromised, your, parting, your parenting is compromised, your finances are compromised. Because out of the heart, everything is dictated. The Lord means for us to guard our hearts by filtering our emotions, desires, thoughts, responsibilities through His Word. So, here it is. I make this, I'm going to make this as easy as possible. Barely get that one out. In order to guard your heart properly, y'all follow me? You must be a watchman. There's multiple ways to translate this specific passage of Scripture, keep thy heart. Some have translated watchmen. Some have translated guardmen or guards. Some have just translated keeping. But here's the point, and it's very important to understand. It's literally like setting up gates, and you're sifting what comes in, and you're inspecting what goes out. You sift what comes in, you inspect what goes out. When it comes to your heart, that is what you do. Keep your heart. I don't think most people understand what it means to sift what comes in. People's opinions and ideas will come in. And if you do not protect your heart, it will dictate your parenting it will dictate your marriage because what we allow in now starts affecting our emotions and our mind and our ideas, our desires, 
because you've left the gate open for all of these ideas to come in. And that's where the world is today. This is why there's an identity crisis amongst us because the heart gate has been opened up to whatever is out there. And people are hearing all these crazy ideas on social media. They're hearing all these ideas on podcasts and they're reading books and they're watching shows and they're walking away with a a heart full of things that have nothing to do with God and truth. And so by doing that, they have not guarded their heart. And through that, they have not sifted what's coming in. But also, you've got to inspect what's going out. It's easy to give your heart away. It's easy to give your heart away. And I'm not talking about just in a relationship. Now watch this. This is important to understand. What it means to give your heart away means what are you consumed with? What occupies 90% of your time every single day? Really? Is it your money? It could even be your marriage. And if that's true, then it's wrong. You say, I cannot believe you just said that. It is not right. If you put anything in elevated above God himself, that's what it means to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart. You are consumed with God. Let me tell you something. If you make financial decisions without considering God, then you are not consumed with God. If you make parenting decisions without considering God, you are not consumed with God. If you are making decisions about who you date and where you go, you are not protecting your heart. You're allowing things in and also you're giving things away. Y'all follow me? And if, you, if you're one of those people, well, that's, this is the way I feel and this is the way I think. Well, that doesn't matter to God. All that matters is your heart is in tune with God. There's an eye gate, there's an ear gate, there's a mind gate. And you have to protect each one of those because they will affect the heart. Eventually, they will affect everything in the issues of life. Eye gate, the Bible says, Psalms 101, verse 3, I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. Man, that's so easy to say, but so hard to do. So hard to do. Your immediate reaction is, that means pornography. Well, no doubt that's probably part of it. But it also means that you're flipping through social media and watching horrific things. And before you know it, you're dealing with anxiety and depression and frustration and anger and fear. I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. Why? Because when you do, you're allowing things in your life that will dictate your life. Because they're infiltrating your heart. This is so simplistic. Same with the ear gate. Proverbs 4.24 says, If you don't protect your ear gate and put away from the forward mouth and perverse lips, then you're going to be affected by those forward mouths and perverse lips. We're not talking about lustful lips. We're talking about people that are just negative. If you allow in your life negative people, you will be a negative person. I do not like being around negative people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just negative, negative, negative. How about murmuring? I'll never forget... My college professor that talked about the subject of murmuring, he said, just say the word murmur over and over again. Murmur, 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 murmur. It's just obnoxious and annoying. That in itself defines the reason why we need to stay away from murmuring people. If you're a wife that nags your husband 24-7, the Bible speaks directly against you. It says it's better to get on top of the house than in the house with you because you're so annoying. I mean, God himself realizes the importance of shutting your mouth and just listening, paying attention and being calm and collective and listening to what's going on around you and not being an annoyance. That same goes with our kids. It goes with our spouse. God knows I wish it went with our dogs because my dog is so annoying. It just murmurs in his own dog way. But it has everything to do with your heart. Your eye gate, your ear gate, and your mind gate. How can we have the mind of Christ if we're letting everything in our hearts? 
Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, according to Philippians 2.5. How can I have that if I'm allowing everything to come in? Okay, let's keep on going, all right? You have to maintain a healthy heart by protecting it. And then prevent. I love the word prevent because it defines diligence. In America, the month of February isn't just a month to celebrate love. Let's just, this is totally getting off track. How many of you like Valentine's Day? Would you raise your hand? All right, you can, raise your hand like you actually mean it. Does the look around, does that tell you something? How many would agree that Valentine's Day was created by the government to make money and to make us feel guilty for not buying little chocolates, flowers, and giving little uh, teddy bears to our loved one? Would you raise your hand? Thank you so much. I am so glad you're here today. I, I believe that too. But let me just clarify, the month of February is just not about love and Valentine's Day. It's also about the heart. It's a heart awareness month. A lot of people don't realize that because they don't pay attention to their heart. But according to the Heart Foundation, heart disease is the leading cause of death. But it also, this is interesting, is the most preventable disease. In other words, it's killing America, but it's the easiest thing to fix. People say, I'm so miserable with my life. My marriage, it stinks. My kids are brats. I hate my home. I'm financially uh, a wreck. And you know what it really goes back to? Your heart. Because out of the heart are the issues of life. Everything comes from your heart. Probably you need to stop and look at your heart. Because you haven't prevented some bad things in your heart. Because you haven't been aware of where your heart is. Proverbs 4.23, the very next part. Keep thy heart with all diligence. The word diligence in this verse is also translated being diligent or being, uh, what's the other word? Uh, consistent and faithful. Be sober, be vigilant for the, your adversary, the devil, is seeking whom he may devour. Barely got that word out. I was struggling there. Here's the point. If you are not being consistently aware of your surroundings when it comes to your heart, you're not going to prevent things from affecting your heart. You can manage your spiritual health just like you can manage your the physical health. It's about the same. It just looks a little different with the methods. So here's the way it works. In order to prevent spiritual health, health damage or heart damage, I'm all over the place, you need to do two things, all right? I'm going to make this simple. First, there must be a daily heart examination. I think I have to literally get up every morning and look at my heart and say, where is it? You know what David said? Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me. When's the last time you just stopped and asked God, what what does my heart look like, God? Show me. Because when I do that, I start thinking a lot. I'm a negative person. You say, me, me and Shelly were talking about this. She said, Dave, you're not a negative person. You're, you're nice. You should see me when I'm alone in my car. Negative. My kids would probably testify I can be very negative. Like, it's probably going to rain today. I bet we had a horrible storm this uh, winter. I'm dreading it. Oh, man, how long until Hank dies? That's my dog. Oh, he's a great Dane. He probably has one more year. They live for about 10 years. He's nine. I'm negative. It consumes me. Now, don't get self-righteous because some of you are the same way. When's the last time you examined your heart? 
If you want to prevent spiritual heart damage, you need to stop and literally examine your heart every day and say, am I ate up with anger? Am I ate up with bitterness? Am I ate up with this discord? And and what's going on? Because you better check yourself out. Because if you allow that, it is literally corrupting your heart. Here's another thing you have to do. There must be daily heart determination. To prevent corruption, you have to daily have a daily heart examination and, and daily heart determination. What does that mean? This is interesting. Proverbs says it this way in verse, chapter 3, and verse 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all thy heart. Lean on in your own understanding. All thy ways acknowledge him and he'll direct thy path. I have to determine... Determine with my heart that I am going to get up and the things that are lacking in my life, I'm going to change. I have realized, physically speaking, I have gained weight. I have aches and pains that are not necessary. You say, well, you're 44 years old. They're not necessary. It's because I am not working. I'm not working out. I'm very, very transparent. Let's have an intervention right now for me. Okay. You know what the problem is with so many people when it comes to the heart? They just don't own it. They don't own the fact that they're the reason why there's so much corruption in their life. They've done a heart examination and they see the problem, but they're not determined to change the problem. They're aware of it. They're aware of it, but they're not going to change it. I'm just so comfortable. It feels good to do this. Well, Samson said it felt good to be with Delilah and the woman that he was with was not God's will. The Philistine he was with wasn't God's will. And by the way, I realize now it's Geza. No, it's Gaza, and everybody was like, stop saying Gaza. The road to Timnoth leads to Gaza. I kept on saying it's Gaza. I'm sorry. I apologize. I'm going to make some of you feel better. But when he got to Gaza, he realized that he is literally allowed what he knew was wrong, and he determined to allow it in his life. Here's the next thing. You, you, when it comes to having or maintaining a healthy heart, you've got to protect, you've got to prevent, you've got to pursue. I'm going to make this simple. Because verse 23 at the end of it says, out of it are the issues of life. Issues is interesting because it's speaking of springs. Isn't this crazy? It's springs giving growth to different areas of our life. So your heart is like a reservoir. And from that reservoir is springs going in every direction in your life. And from those springs, which is issues of life, the different areas, the matters of life, the things that we deal with, you're going to see fruit or we're going to see corruption. You're going to see decay of fruit or you're going to see prosperous fruit. And literally, you have to pursue God in order to see these fruits develop in your life. Watch this. Jesus said it best in Luke 6.45. Verse 6 and verse 45. A good man out of the good treasures of his heart bringeth forth that which is good. And then he makes it real simple. And an evil man out of the evil treasures of the heart bringeth forth that which is evil. For out of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaks. The heart is filled with something. And whatever it's filled with, it's going to come out your yapper. It is going to come out eventually. Matthew 12, Jesus said it this way. The secrets of the heart are revealed by the mouth. Literally, what's in your heart is echoed out your mouth. So if we want to know if you're a bitter person, we just need to listen to your conversations. If we want to know if you're angry, we just need to watch you a little bit and we'll see the emotions expressed what's in your heart because that springs up. Springs up everywhere. They say they're the most unhappy person. It's probably because their heart is being corrupted by something. Somebody has taken that reservoir and they're allowing some poison to be put 
in their heart. I close with the most redneck illustration I possibly can give you from Somerville, Alabama when I was growing up. We had a well, and we used that well forever until it started smelling horrible. And we knew something was wrong. And so we went to drink the water, and it's like, Dad, we got to get this checked. So they tested the water and come to find out something downstream, because all wells are connected to some natural spring, there was a farm. And at that farm, whatever cattle or whatever was taking place was in the water. What they, they were doo-dooing in the water. And we were drinking that. In the, in, in what we learned very quickly that if you do not stop washing in this, consuming this, it is going to hurt you and could even kill you. So we shut down the well. We finally got city water. It was amazing. I loved it. What's my point? I feel like we've been told something's corrupting the well. Your heart. And the springs, the streams that are coming from that are being affected by that. Your kids are being affected by that. Because you're prioritizing the wrong things. And and you're not growing. You're not successful as the book of Psalms says in chapter 1. About we're planted by the rivers of water. And we're bringing forth fruit in our season. Because we're planted in the right place. But some of us have corrupt water. And it's affecting everything. What's affecting your well? What are you allowing in your life that's ultimately going to determine your future? Would you just bow for a word of prayer as we close? I don't know where your heart is. I don't know if you had a heart transplant yet. I don't know if you've given your life to Jesus Christ. But I'm going to make this very clear and very blunt. Because right now there's something about bowing our head and closing our eyes out of respect to those around us that causes us to kind of shut down and get a little sleepy. I don't want you to do that. I want to ask you this simple question. Have you had a heart transplant? Are you a believer in Jesus Christ? Do you know for sure that you've given your life to Jesus Christ, there's no doubt in your mind. If there's no doubt, because of respect, nobody's looking, would you raise your hand and you say, I know for sure I'm a Christian. Would you raise your hand as a testimony to Jesus Christ? Thank you. You may put your hand down. How about this? Maybe you're at a point in your life and you say, you know, I can't say there's ever been a moment in my life that I truly given my life to Jesus Christ. I would even say that my heart is probably corrupt because I... I realize from what you said that a corrupt heart is because you still have the old heart. I need to give my life to Jesus Christ, and I really sincerely want to do that. Now, it doesn't mean that you've got to stand up in front of everybody. You don't have to do some ritualistic thing. It's very simplistic according to Scripture. It's the heart. That's how you become a Christian. You literally ask Jesus Christ with your heart in your seat where you're at from your own mouth into your life. You simply say, Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. <laughs> I have a corrupt heart. I'm asking you to forgive me. I'm asking you to forgive me and come into my life and change me and give me a new heart. In the name of Jesus Christ, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that He lived, He died, and He rose again. And by faith, I'm trusting you. And with your own words, not my words, with your own words from your heart, you say right now in your seat, God, I am giving you my life. I'm trusting you as my Lord and Savior. And I'm asking you to give me a new heart in a new life by faith now if you just did that you're not going to see fireworks we're not going to have cheerleaders come in here and cheer none of that happens it's just this simple reality that you by faith have trusted Christ you set yourself aside and said I need a change and if you meant that with your heart there's the key word again heart and you've given your life to Jesus Christ 
by way of testimony and you say, that's me, would you raise your hand? Nobody's looking. Nobody's looking. Would you raise your hand like you mean it? Thank you. I see that hand. I see that hand. Is there anybody else? You say, man, I, I mean, I'm having a hard time raising my hand on this one, but I did it. Well, that's okay. I want to talk to you if you did do that. Here's what I want you to do. If you've given your life to Jesus Christ and you're a Christian already, are you maintaining your heart? And that means, are you literally making it a point to protect, prevent, and pursue God? Are you protecting your heart? What are you allowing in and what are you allowing out? Because you better check, because it is going to mess up every area of your life if you don't get it under control. Maintain your heart.